Welcome to Once and Future Authors, changing lives one book at a time. I'm Stephanie Larkin, an author, independent publisher, and book coach. And each week we will be discussing processes and strategies to get your book finished and published and meet authors and publishing experts to tap into their experiences and expertise. There is one book out there that can change your life, and that is the book you write. So welcome aboard. This podcast is produced by Red Penguin Books, an independent publishing company working with authors of all genres. Whether you have a manuscript all ready to go, a book still stuck in your head, or perhaps even hundreds of handwritten sheets of loose leaf shoved in a drawer, visit redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Once in Future Authors podcast. I'm Stephanie, and I'm so delighted today to be joined by author Danielle Orsino. You are going to absolutely love her books and love Danielle. Uh, Her books are part of the Birth of the Fae um, series, Locked Out of Heaven, Thine Eyes of Mercy, and From the Ashes. And now that you've seen these gorgeous covers, you get to see our beautiful author. Danielle, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. How are you? Fantastic. And oh my gosh, you always look like you are ready for a book event. You have Thank to you. Where I like you to go really... shopping. Where do you go shopping? Uh, it's a little bit of everything. Etsy plays a big part in all of this, I have to say. Uh, thank you to Etsy. And it's a little bit of bedazzling that takes place. Oh my gosh, I don't know. I've been on Etsy. I must be in all the wrong places. <laughs> Just type in Faye and believe me, a lot pops up. Really? Okay. Yes. Things I don't know. Now, what I love is that um, I've gotten to, to meet you and your books before, but you just had a major rebranding of these covers. They used to look like, you know, your your standard uh, fantasy book, I would say, with uh, more of a, you know, uh, a stock cover look. But now we have a brand new star on all these covers, and I am in love. These are, I have to tell you, miles, miles above your, your last covers, and they're phenomenal. So tell me how you got to star on the covers. And I want to hear all about these photo shoots because this looks amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, My new publisher, Four Horsemen Publications, actually, this was their brainchild. I had nothing to do with this. I can't take any credit for this. They saw some photos that I did for Faye Magazine and we were kind of waiting for Faye to make a decision on whether they were going to use them. So they saw the photo shoot and the photo shoots were done by Julia Giulietti Photography with my incredible makeup artist, Denise Apostle. She gets a lot of the credit for this, for these transformations, because without Denise, these would not be happening. And they saw them and they were like, why are you not utilizing these these cosplays? And I said, well, what do I do with them? They were like, they go on the cover of the books. That's what happens. And they made the decision to do this. And they said, from now on, you're going on the cover. And I was taken aback at first, because I was like, really? And they said, yeah, that's what we do. And the dragons are done by Pandy Van, who's my dragon illustrator. And so they were like, the dragons and you are going to start going on these covers because they're amazing. And I'm like, "Uh, sure. So all of those are from a photo shoot we did. And that's what happened. Uh, My own father did not recognize me on Locked Out of Heaven. 
<laughs> I showed him the picture and he was like, oh, who's the chick? And I'm like, uh, dad, it's me. And he actually had to hold it up and hold it away. And he called my stepmother over and he was like, who does this look like? And she looked at it and she's like, it's Danielle. And he's like, no, it's not. And he kept kind of doing this back and forth. And he was like, you're blonde. I'm like, okay, yeah. But he did, my father did not recognize me on that. The second one, obviously he did. The third one, he was like, I want to say it's you, but this could be a trick question. So, you know, we had some fun with it and it was, it just kind of came about and I was flattered. I was very flattered because I don't know many authors in the fantasy realm, at least, that are on the covers of their own books. So I thought it was really cool. I don't think I know any authors in the fantasy realm who's on the covers of their books. And I get to meet a lot of authors. <laughs> You're a first, but you, every time we've met, you are just dressed to the hilt. And I, I'm not surprised that your publisher said that. And I'm so excited because, yeah, now your books look totally different than everybody else's. Because, you know, the fact is, and this is not a knock on um, genre fiction writers in any way, but the fact is we try to make our covers all look like they fit genre, of course. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yours now fit the genre and are so incredibly unique and personal. And they Thank are you. amazing. I, I can't imagine the fun doing it. How did it feel for you the first time you saw you on a cover? It was a little surreal. It's, it, there's a mix of excitement and anxiety because nobody knows it's me. It, they really don't. Like when I go through book tours, nobody knows, especially with Locked Out of Heaven, nobody knew it was me. And to this day, a lot of people don't know it's me. So, you know, you're nervous because you're like, okay, the trolls are out there. You know, it's coming. So you're kind of like, not only are you getting judged by the words inside, but now you're getting judged by the cover as well. So there, there's a lot of like, okay, here it comes. Did I make the right move? Did I not? There, there's a lot mixed in, but then you're kind of like, it's my book. Now it's truly my book from cover to words. It's, it's all in there. So it really is a labor of love in so many ways, but I was really excited because uh, Denise, Julia, they put so much into those shoots. So it was nice to see them rewarded in a way as well, because both of them were like, I've, I've never done this type of shoot. And then to see it on the cover, they were really great about it. And some of those shoots were, especially the mermaid shoot. We originally did that outside because it was for a magazine. It was 95 degrees by 10 a.m. I was melting. Literally, I was melting. And I had a wig on plus the crown. Then I'm in this long tail. They're melting as well. And we're kind of laughing about it because 10 a.m. It's already 95 degrees. And we shot until I think one o'clock in the afternoon. We were so hot. I've got sand in places. I didn't think I'd have sand. And whenever I'd get too warm, Denise would just throw glitter on me and the sweat would just make it stick more. And she's, we're laughing because we have nothing better. To do. And we're just thinking, okay, maybe this will be okay. Maybe it won't. Nobody ever thought it'd be on the cover of a book. Mm. So, you know, there was so much to it. Uh, the From the Ashes shoot, I was hanging off a bridge at one point. The, I think the swords broke within the first uh, slash. Mm. There was so much that went wrong that went right. It was just, it was a lot to it. So it was, it was really great. The uh, Thine Eyes of Mercy shoot, it was a late April day. And we all thought, okay, it should be warm. It should be okay. 
it wound up being, we were on the water. It was 30 degrees. I was, my lips were blue and they kept saying, okay, think warm thoughts, Danielle, think warm thoughts. The wind would come, my skirt would go up and there'd be goosebumps. And it was like, she's going to be, it, we're going into hypothermia at this point. And with the wind gusts, it wound up being like 10 below. And I'm sitting there in a corset shivering. It was like from one temp extreme to the other with every shoot. And we laughed because that's all we could do by the end of it. And we shot for two hours at Abermeyer Park, Untermeyer Park. That was it, Untermeyer Park in Yonkers. So it, it's nice to see them all on the cover and like something really beautiful come from it. I, you know, I'm so glad you mentioned the trolls. And, you know, anytime, <laughs> and this is something for, for all of our you know, new and aspiring authors out there. Um, we know that people have something to say literally about everything. I mean, you can't go oh, yeah. to the grocery store without somebody saying, you know, people are just so judgy. And when you yes. put a book, any kind of a book, I mean, even if you just mm -hmm. a coloring book, um, everyone judges you and everyone makes comments. And I'm always amazed how many people make comments about books because you know, while, while it is true that 90% of the population wants to write a book, only like this many actually manage to do it. So for anyone to say a negative comment about an author, I feel like saying, and where's your book, man? Like, you know, give me a break. Exactly. But you are so right. People say mean things about everything. Um, yes. Has it been as awful as, it, as you thought it could have been? Or what do you think? Um, it's, it's mixed. It, it, I'm going to be honest. It's mixed. What I find, especially because nowadays with COVID, let's, let's back up a second with COVID. We're not out there doing a lot of author meet and greets. Uh, you know, most of it is Instagram and book tours. That's how we're doing things nowadays. And I think it will probably stay that way for the foreseeable future for costs and things like that. And everybody seems to grow a set behind a keyboard, you know, with anatomy, you know, they can do what they want to do. I find it interesting that people become experts mm -hmm. behind a keyboard. And I kind of have to laugh at some of it, but the way I've done it and Henry Cavill, I was listening to him. He, he goes a lot on um, boards and, and listens to what people say about his acting. And he, he takes the attitude of, I have to see where the source is mm -hmm. and then kind of wade through it and get to, is there a nugget of truth in here that I can use? And I kind of adapt a little bit in the sense of, I don't listen to the best review and I don't listen to the worst review and I try to keep it midline. In that sense, no, it hasn't been, it's been exactly what I thought it would be, but some things still bother me. I know who gives the books the shot that they deserve and I know who doesn't. I do a lot of book tours and I always find it interesting when a host just doesn't post mm. and the, the, who's ever running it will say, look, they, I'm sorry, they missed their stop. And I'm like, okay, did they say why? Oh, they said it just wasn't for them. Okay. Well, what wasn't for them? If you can give me something back, like I don't do fantasy. Well, why'd you sign up for it? It's a fantasy. I mean, look at the cover. It's a fantasy book. Uh, but every now and then I'll get somebody who just doesn't respond. You know, they didn't, they, they missed their stop. They just didn't do the assignment. Hmm. I don't give it like that to me, nothing. I'm not even going to waste my time with you because you didn't give the book a chance. 
if you just, if it's one of those, I just didn't finish it, once again, doesn't bother me. Because the next page could have been the page that turns you around. I don't care. When I get somebody who decides to dissect my whole book, sometimes that bothers me a little bit, be honest. <laughs> um, so it really does matter. I've had some people comment on the covers. Yeah, that, that bugs me because it's me and they don't know it's me. So they're brutally honest. Ooh, ouch. Brutally honest. I, I've had people make some comments that aren't nice. And then I've gone in and said, that's the author. And some people backtrack and go, wow, that's really cool. I didn't, I didn't realize that. And then I've had some people be like, why is she putting herself on the cover? Okay. So it really, you know, has it been as bad as I thought? Eh, some instances, yes. Some instances, no. I'm still trying to get used to it. I just, um, when I get a dissertation about my book, I have to really weed through where the motivation is. Mm-hmm. Well, instead of, how about the positive? How about some really great fan interactions and things like that? I, I will never trade being an author for those moments because those are why I do it. And I, whenever I get something from a fan that says, you know, I'm, I'm waiting on pins and needles for the next one. Or I don't understand why most people, more people don't know about your book. Or I come home and I have to, I have to decide I'm only going to read one chapter because I can sit and blow through this book and it's my release after work. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, this is why I'm doing it. You know, I'm not doing it to be the next George R. R. Martin. Look, I wouldn't mind George R. R. Martin's money, mm-hmm. but that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it for moments like this so people can have an escape because I think that's all, you know, we're all looking for that little moment of escape. And it's really the reason I dress up to do interviews and do everything so people can have a moment of the veil and see that they can find the veil in their everyday life. If you want to put some rhinestones on your face and go to work because you want to be a little bit of a fay today, by all means, do it. Maybe it gives you that armor to get through the day or to hold a little magic inside of you. And maybe the day doesn't seem so dreary. Go for it. Love that. I love that. And what a great motivation for writing. But how did you start? How did that first book come to life? Uh, I was with a patient who was undergoing treatment for Lyme disease and he needed a distraction. And through our conversation, to keep him in that chair he said something to me as we were joking and I just decided to tell him a story and that's how it started I told him a story and every day he sat in his chair I told him another story another piece of the pie and so every day it was another little chapter another little chapter I was just telling it to him off the top of my head and doing the old school storytelling did I think I was going to go home sit down and write a book not even a little bit can't even lie and say yes. Not at all. He encouraged me to write the story. Wow. And that's what I did. It took a lot of encouragement, a lot of him pushing me, but eventually I sat down to write the story. I did not do it in, you know, as the, the pantser or the planner way. I couldn't even tell you I was either one. <laughs> I just sat down and I went, okay, here I go. And I started writing the story I originally told him, which brought him into it. And then I'd go back and go, oh, okay. Somebody's going to want to know where Jarvok and Aurora came. Okay. Let me go back and write that. And I like open up another page. You go, okay, let me write that. 
no, they're going to want to know this. All right. I got to go back, write that. And I just kept flipping and out of it came all of these books. I didn't sit and say, I'm going to write one story and it's going to be this. No, there was no outline. There was no protagonist, nothing like that. It was a journal I kept and I still have them. They were handwritten first. Then I sat down and typed it out. And I say that I had the skeleton, which was the handwritten version. Then I put the meat on the bones and edited when I sat down at the computer. And from that, Birth of the Fae came. But Locked Out of Heaven, was it the first book? No, it was somewhere wrapped in all of this. And then I was like, okay, this is the first one. Thine Eyes of Mercy. Yeah, okay, you're number two. It was just, I had to pull them out. Um, it was it was really a mess. It wasn't neat. This was not clean. If somebody looked at the first handwritten version, they would probably be like, what is this crap? Because I jumped from chapter to chapter. It was a mess. Complete and total mess. But I think sometimes that's kind of the way to go. Wow. Do you remember the date when you first started telling the story to your patient? Um, that was probably around March. Uh, I couldn't tell you the exact date, but it, it was March 2015-ish. 2015, 2016, no, maybe 16. It was around that time. And, and all because of that, I mean, your life has, has completely changed. Oh, I'm sitting here with, you know, feathers and wings in my head. That you didn't own that outfit before this all happened. No, I, I, I cosplayed before this, but no, I cosplayed as Harley Quinn and Wonder Woman. I did not cosplay as a fag. I can definitely tell you that. Um, I have taken my patient to Comic-Con though. Ooh. I did take him to Comic-Con so he could experience cosplaying. And he walked around going, oh my, oh, what is this? <laughs> so we have been to co- Comic-Con together so he could see it. Uh, but no, it's been, it's been interesting. I'm trying to convince him to get, uh, to be on the cover of book seven. Ah. As, his, as the literary persona that inspired all this, as Agent Graham, I am trying, working on it. I've got him like that close to saying yes, that close. I'm like right there. But um, I'm trying to convince him to be on the cover with me because I feel like that would be my big thank you. Right, right, yes. And for all that, he's mm, he's not quite there yet. Do you have friends besides him that are into cosplay, or is this your solo venture? Um, I have some friends that are into it. Not as I have one friend, Rashad, who's really into it. Uh, but a lot of my friends kind of look at me like, really, you no, really. Um, but you know, you meet a lot of them when you're there on the con floor. You, you do, you know, that's where you really meet them. Uh, I met, I've met Blade who's, uh, goes on Instagram as legend of the day Walker. And I keep in touch with him a lot, um, through Instagram. He's a phenomenal cosplayer and I've met other cosplayers that way, but my everyday friends, no, they just kind of look at me and go, that's all you have a good time. (laughs) That's cute. Uh, you know, but the rest of it, no, when I do, I am planning to do an Oracle card set that goes along with the book. And I've asked some of my friends to jump in on that and they're kind of down for that. I've actually got my father to say yes to play Hoggle and he inspired Hoggle in the book, the metal gnome. 
So he's actually said yes. And I was completely blown away that he said yes to that. It took some convincing, but he did say yes. So some of them have, you know, have said, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll do that. I'll do a Faye thing. But I don't think I can convince them to be like Batman and go to, you know, Comic-Con with me. That's probably not happening. <laughs> so we're working on it. All right. What, what other positive things have changed since the book, since that first conversation with your patient? Uh, I think I've definitely found myself more in all of this and realized that I don't fit in the box. Mm-hmm. I tried. I desperately tried. Uh, you know, I, I jumped into nursing and was like, I'm going to go be a PA after this and logic and whatever. But deep down, I kind of knew that wasn't me. But I tried. I really, really gave it, you know, the old college try. But this fits me. Mm. Even as I sit here with wings in my head, um, this does fit me more. And I've realized this is kind of what I'm meant to do. Even though I'm not a classically trained author, this was always there, that creative side. And I was always fighting it, you know, the science side versus this creative side. How do I reconcile the two? And I think this finally gave me that out. Oh, I love that. I I love that thought of finding who you really are. You know, it sounds like... um, releasing books you have you know certainly you have a whole new life you have a whole new wardrobe you have uh, new people in your world you you have i'm sure um an author community of sorts of people that you're involved with but the thought of finding out who you really are and yes the real danielle is just so exciting so so tell me a little bit about this series. This is books one, two, and three. How many books are there going to be? And are they all conceived or how does that work? I have 15 in my head planned. Gosh. <laughs> I have 15 planned. Now, there are some novellas. Uh, I just finished my first novella that's going into editing now. I had never written a novella, so that was kind of new. Um, but in my head, that's what I'm planning. Could it? go in a different direction yes right now I have eight finished Uh, they have to go through the editing process but eight are done so um, we're taking it from locked out of heaven which is the beginning of time and following the faith through up to eight when we get to book eight we are in the 21st century and things have changed once we get to book seven and eight we're going to concentrate more on uh, the CIA shadow government what's going on with that, how the Fae have changed and concentrate on two new characters and the actions of the Fae, how they've now affected humanity. And we're going to look in on that kind of microcosm a little bit differently to whereas before we've always seen, okay, court of light, court of dark, they're fighting, you know, human worship equals power. How does that affect power balance? By the time we get to book seven and eight, that's where my patient's literary persona, Agent Graham comes in. The government knows about the Fae. They want to see how they can utilize it. So that's where we go and the story will pick up from there. Uh, so it's a, it's a little bit different, but the series itself, um, I'm going to kind of experiment a little and see where we can go and figure out where the Fae will go from 
here we are locked out of heaven to this fully formed community. And what happens when power corrupts? Mm. Because nobody's going to stay good forever. <laughs> that can't happen. And I don't like happy endings. So I kind of always joke at the end of my books, when we do get one, I always say to my readers, did you like that ending? Do you think I'm going to keep anybody happy? What do you think? Um, <laughs> And we'll see. I do, I know some people have commented that there's time jumps. That gives me room to play with the novellas and to explore different areas of the veil that maybe I've left hidden. So I like having that um, flexibility. So, you know, there was some comments made that from Locked Out of Heaven to Thine Eyes of Mercy that I, I left this gap. And I'm like, yeah, I know I left that gap. I left it for a reason because it gives me a chance to explore in a novella what happened. Hmm. Maybe I don't want to do a sweeping battle scene because it's been done in fantasy to exhaustion. Who wants to see us? You know, how many times Lord of the Rings did it beautifully. But, and so has George R.R. Martin for that matter. And a lot of people do great battle scenes. I do great small fight scenes, but a big battle scene, it's just been done. I would rather concentrate on one or two factions and their point of view on a war versus this big battle scene. So I can do that with the time jump and go back and show you a novella and give you that one, that little bit. So you can really get in and feel. So that's my goal is to get further along in the series and then give you that backup where now you can look and say, okay, I know this has happened. Let's pull back for a second and see Here's what happened in this, and this is how it affected where we're at now. So that's kind of where I plan on going with it. Wow. I love that you said, I don't really like a happy ending. Uh, we had on the show a romance writer, and of mm -hmm. course, it's the opposite, because all romance books have a happy ending. And she right. would say, that's who I am. I always wanted to have a happy ending. But you, Danielle, know who you are. Not about that happy ending. No, I don't, I think it's good in some places, but I think um, initially it's, it's predictable in some things. And I'm, I'm, I'll tell you right now, I'm not a romance writer. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've had that, I think, especially with Faye, people expect in the Faye genre for there to be romance. Mm. And it's, you know, it's young adult. A lot of young adult books have it. Once again, I'm not young adult. So let's put that out there right now. Um, I, I, my fae have other problems. So for them to be like, hold on, let me go find Prince Charming. We ain't got time for that. Uh, you know, their attitude is like, I just got kicked out of the Shining Kingdom. My creator abandoned me. I don't know who my personality is because my personality was wrapped in my job. I've lost my gifts. I've done this. I don't have time to go find a partner. I've now got to create a kingdom. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I don't have time. It needs to feel like it should fit in so for me romance was not the first thing mm -hmm. not saying it won't happen at all that. but it's gotta make sense I get that uh are most fantasy readers young adults that you would say it's not young adult um it's not that most fantasy readers are young adult I think they has become become more synonymous with young adult and I like to just put out there that just because I'm fae oriented doesn't mean I'm 
synonymous with young adult gotcha. because I some of my fight scenes can be a, a little gruesome, especially in Locked Out of Heaven. Um, but also some of the topics mm. can be somewhat heavy that I don't want somebody to go and give a 10 year old locked out of heaven and then be like, whoa, she's talking about religious philosophies there. And then they're like, oh, and the weepers are sucking bone marrow out of somebody they just killed. And my 10 year old got this book. Don't come yelling at me. Hold on. You know, right. I did not market this to your tenure. I say from day one, whoa you know, things like that, or in thine eyes of mercy, we're going to tutor times. I make it very clear as one of the fays observing the court of Queen Mary, he's like, they're bed hopping, they're doing this, you know, but yet they're claiming they're, they're you know, in love with their wives. Like, I, I show what the court is really like. Don't look at me and go, <laughs> you marketed this to my 13-year-old. No, I didn't. I made it clear. I might not be the one. And I'm, I say this, I'm an equal opportunity murderer. <laughs> no character in my world is safe. I'm gonna kill them all. So once again, don't get too attached. <laughs> they all go out. I kill everybody. You know, my, my, my coffee cup says, don't get too close to this author. She may put you in a book and kill you. That's who I am. So I, I do kind of, I think sometimes people think Faye, this will be a soft book or it's a young adult book. Just be clear with it. Uh, you know, I might, I might go a different direction. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you said that. And you're obviously very clear in your own head. You know, not every author really knows their specific genre, their audience. You know, they, they really are. I, I've had so many authors or new authors, especially when I've said, um, so who would be a good fit for your book? And their response is much more generic, like, oh, everybody would enjoy this. I'm glad no. that you are very, very specific because um, that will serve you well. And uh, in a book marketing sense, knowing who your target is means that kind of like a GPS, you know the road to get there. If, if you think your target yes. is, oh, everybody, then you're no. not targeting anyone. So kudos to you for not only Thank knowing you. the genre, but to know even beyond that, um, this is not a YA book. This is not this, this is not that. This is what it is. And you now in your whole persona, um, branding. You're all about branding here, which I love. I, I think if you're going to write a fantasy, you know, and I'm just going to pull this genre because I, I think it, it's a genre you have to live. You have to dive in because you have to build this world. You have to build it from the magical systems, uh, the kingdom they live, you know, the economics, all of it. So you have to dive in. So you, you do have to live it and understand it. You know, uh, when I wrote Thine Eyes of Mercy, I had to understand Tudor life. I, had to, I took an, um, a Tudor etiquette class. And so I, I had to really dive in and realize, I, like I didn't know that the upperclassmen would, would literally have to show that they washed their hands before they sat at the table because it was family style dining. I, I didn't know this. So I realized at that point, if I'm going to do this, I have to dive in. Mm -hmm. Got to live the life. 
And so by dressing up, yes, it's fun. I, I like putting crystals on my face. I like wearing this stuff. I'm bringing a part of the veil to everything, but I live the veil. You know, my dogs are my dragons in the book, you know, all of it, it's all part of it. So I think for fantasy writers, I'm not telling every fantasy author you've got to dress up or anything like that. It's just more, you have to live the life a little bit. You have to live in that world and experience it. I was thinking about it the other day and it, it was it's kind of ridiculous, but uh, in Nine Eyes of Mercy, Bishop Alwyn wakes up in Tudor England and he's living there to keep an eye on Queen Mary and he's complaining about the smell of the sheets. And there was a deleted scene where he starts thinking about how does his sheets get cleaned? Because he's a bishop, everything is done for him. And he starts thinking like, I should go and ask when I get back, how does this get done? Because he really doesn't know he's, everything's done for him. And he starts debating all this stuff. But it was something that I sat there thinking, how do they clean their sheets? Like I know how it's done in Tudor England, but how would it be done in the veil? And I went down this rabbit hole that took me way too long. <laughs> and I was like, I gotta pull myself out. But it's little things like that. And in, even in From the Ashes, I have my first aura blending, which is coitus for the Fae scene. And I didn't, it was being explained to one of the Fae. And I used no sexual terms whatsoever. It was all done with battle terms. Oh. This scene took me a month to write because I was sitting there going, okay, how do I, all right. So I was like, all right, make sure your, your sword is of the right hardened steel. And I'm writing this out and I'm like sitting there, but I really had to think, how does it work for the Fae and how would they explain it? And, and once again, it was down that rabbit hole. Wow. So, you know, you got to live the life. Because if you just stay in your world and not go into your fantasy world, I don't think it makes it as rich and as contextualized as you think. Wow, what a great thing to say. And, and you know, sometimes people think that with fiction, there's no research involved. That research is involved oh, in nonfiction. But everything you're saying is, oh, no, no, no. If you're going to create this whole world and all the pieces of it and how even you know time and physics and everything else relate to each other in that world you need to you know research take notes make sure that you're consistent from book to book that if this is the way it was here that unless there's a reason that's the way it's going to be there and that's just amazing that you did all that i have i call it the author index and i keep a book of here's every character, this is what they look like. Here are the mystical items for the dark fae, the mystical items for the light fae. Here's the etiquette for the light fae. Here's the etiquette for the dark fae. I have to keep it or else I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I mean, I can't keep them all straight at times. I have to remember Maliscola from the Spellion faction is green, but his friend is blue. And by the end of it, I'm like, I have to, I find myself referring back and I'm like, who's who again? All right, I killed this one. Okay, that one's not alive. And I go back and forth. I, my dragons alone, the research that went into them. Okay, they don't, they don't fly. They technically glide. So whenever they take off, they have to find a jumping off point because they work more by the albatross theory of thermal, of thermal glides. And I'm like, okay, so whenever they take off, I have to make sure they're running and finding something to jump from. 
Mm. Well, that changes where they can go. So there's always got to be a launching point, something. So those are the little things I have to check on. And I have to check myself on because, yeah, I'd love drag order just up in the air like Superman. That's not how I designed them. So those are the little things. Yeah, would it be easy for me to just be like, oh, screw it, they just jump, you know, they take off. Yay, drag order. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to, but that's not how I wrote him. So I have to think and, and plan, but I try to make everything. If I was on Mythbusters, is it plausible or busted? I want to be plausible. That was always my thing. I got to be plausible down to the magic, the crystals, mm -hmm. whatever it is, because I want my world to feel lived in. Nice. I'm not saying, you know, I know it's magic. I got all that. I know these creatures don't really exist. You know, I had somebody say, my deer, they would fall over because my deer are enlarged. And I finally turned to him. I went, no, their bone structure, structure is trabecular. Ooh. And they looked at me and they went, I said, so there's holes in it. And they went, oh, well, excuse me. And I was like, so I'm like, let's not go there. I was like, you know what? I thought about it. I said, you're thinking of it this way. And we went back and forth. And they said, well, unicorns. I said, look, let's not get on. I said, look, I killed the unicorns off real early on. I said, and my unicorns didn't have a regular horn. I said, you know what? We had quartz. I said, so I I'm done. <laughs> I'm like, we're done debating this. It's funny when people want to just go because they, they want everything to be so real. And it is fantasy. There's got to be a touch of what I like to call is flexible belief. Got to stretch it a little bit gotta go me a little um but you know it is an escape you, you got to do the research though you got to give it some realistic realism yes absolutely and you have to keep track of all of these things too because, oh god yes you do you know 15 books you're gonna forget some things and you need to have a way of keeping track and looking back on them because your super fans are not gonna forget they're going to remember <laughs> they remember everything they remember whose you know hair had pastel highlights i get some people that catch things and i'm like doing the best i can people there's a lot there's a lot as i say there's a lot of voices up in here absolutely and they all have something to say absolutely well certainly i want uh all of our listeners to head head over run do not walk birthofthefay.com where you can find Danielle's books on Amazon and you'd better hurry up and get started because uh, she's got eight books already written 15 are planned for the series you better start reading locked out of heaven thine eyes of mercy and from the ashes there's plenty more to come and uh, I am so excited about these covers and even more so about the words inside because uh, what a writer and with eight more books ready to go I guess you'll be back on with your next book because I can't wait to have you and read it thank Super. you so much you have any events coming up I know it's been so hard on events I know you have some book tours planned um yes we have uh the book tour gals uh on Instagram actually starting on Monday and they're amazing I love all of them uh, so I'm really excited about that. And then, you know, I've got some appearances here and there, you know, podcasts, things like that. Uh, my novella, Tournament of Fire, Ice and Acid, is going into 
uh, editing. So hopefully I'll have a release date for that soon enough. And then the fourth book, which is uh, Kingdom Come. And that's a major, major change book comes out May 31st. And that will be the first time I'm sharing the cover with another person. Ooh. I will be unveiling my new King Jarvok. So oh. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, we shot that in December. We shot that cover. And uh, that's kind of exciting because that will be a big change for the Fae. There's, that book is a bigger book and we have a lot coming out with that. And then we will be shooting the Oracle card series over the summer. And that will go with the next book. So we're hoping to have that out by the end of next year. Give or take, COVID's going to have a lot to do with that, unfortunately. You know, that's but um, we have some things like that. And uh, it's a lot of things planned on the docket. And you're still writing then. You still have more books to come. Yes, I'm still writing right now. I'm actually working on a novella featuring two characters that out of the blue kind of became this underground favorite, Lady Danius and General Jaden, who were briefly mentioned in the books. Like they didn't, they weren't people that had major plots at all. They were just mentioned. And someone saw a picture of me as Lady Danius on Instagram. And I, I had a blurb about her story and how she'll play a major factor later on. And people started hitting me up about her. What's her deal? I like her. She's the warden of the butterflies and she has this lost love, this General Jaden, who they were lovers, you know, General Jaden, she was killed and all that. And people just started asking me, what is the deal with these two? And so I will be uh, releasing their love letters during the war and how their love letters are reunited. And people are like, I need this novella. When are you? So I'm working on General Jaden and Lady Danaeus's letters uh, right now. So I'm hoping, you know, maybe next year, maybe a Valentine's Day thing. We'll see. Um, you know, that's, I'm working on that currently right now. This is my first, I guess romance is a good way to put it. <laughs> this is my first attempt. So be gentle. We're working on that right now. So I've got a couple things in the hopper. Uh, and there's, there's talk, talk. We're in prelims of maybe an app game featuring Los. Maybe. And that is from Locked Out of Heaven, a scene from Locked Out of Heaven where he steals the crystal from the Court of Light to get it back to Jarbok. So there's there's some talk. So honestly, if my dog gets a video game, he's going to be impossible to live with. But um, he already thinks he's the star of these books. So, you know, if Los gets his own video game, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with him. <laughs> so we've got some things going on, but I really have to give uh, the Four Horsemen a lot of credit for letting me do my thing and letting me dress up because I don't know a lot of publishers that would be like, yeah, sure. Go out dressed as a fag. That's a great idea. Well, I think it's a great idea. I think you look fabulous. Thank you. you are a walking billboard for your books, which is amazing. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate that. Can't wait to hear more. Now I know that you have a whole lot of things going on. Please make sure that you share them with me so that I can share them with our audiences as well. I would love that. I will let you know when the audiobooks are done. We are doing an audiobook for Thine Eyes of Mercy and for uh, From the Ashes. They are in production right now. Congratulations. So exciting. Thank you. And please keep me posted when the next one's going to be released. And you got it. For all of our viewers, don't forget where to go. You can go to uh, online retailers or go directly to the source, birthofthefay.com, where you can keep up on all of the news and all of the events and the books that are coming out in the future.
Danielle, thank you so much for joining me. You're awesome. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us for Once in Future Authors. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Reviews help other interested listeners to find the show, so your review could launch new books every day. Thanks again for joining us, and happy writing!